you know, when you have young kids, you just can't imagine something like that happening. Reaction from a growing memorial at the scene of a triple tragedy claiming young athletes' lives and rocking the hockey community. Plus. This was our first time to visit the memorial with the children, and it was quite devastating. A devastating discovery by a descendant of one of the Komagata Maru victims honored in a now defaced memorial. And. How police and protesters are responding after demonstrators were pepper sprayed and dragged at Ferry Creek. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. Three Lower Mainland families, their friends and the hockey community are all in mourning tonight, struggling to cope with the sudden and shocking deaths of three teenagers. The trio killed when a car slammed into a tree off a Surrey road early yesterday morning. Grace Key has our top story. Throughout the day, friends, family and the hockey community laid flowers at the site where three young friends lost their lives. They've been identified as 17-year-old Parker Magnuson and Ronan Sharma and Caleb Reimer, both 16 years old. I just want everyone to know that like, no one deserves this and especially these three, they like wouldn't hurt a fly. Um, they were always the first ones to check up on someone after something happened or they just they cared so much about everyone else before themselves and that's just is so admirable and they shouldn't it not none of this should have happened. All three were traveling in a Ford Focus when the car crashed into a tree at about 2.45 Saturday morning near 104th Avenue and Fraser Glen Drive in Surrey. All three died at the scene. The cause of the collision is under investigation. Caleb Reimer, his first Western Hockey League goal. Caleb Reimer was a first-round pick with the WHL Edmonton Oil Kings. A teammate described Reimer as a hard worker who played with passion. You know, Reimer was a great kid and was such a bright spirit around our dressing room. And, and you know, everyone was very fond of him and... Um, you know, for us to lose a guy like that is is obviously very heartbreaking. And I know the guys and, and myself are taking it pretty harshly. Ronan Sharma played with the Langley Rivermen. All three were with the Delta Hockey Academy. Played hockey with all three of these boys. It's, it's hard to see them go. I, I don't know. They're all great kids, great hockey players. They're all going to go somewhere. It's, it's just hard to see that happen just so fast that just the way it happened I, know, I couldn't believe it when I heard it we just want all of their families to know like they have endless 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 support from all of us they their kids touch so many lives Grace Key Global News the WHL commissioner, Ron Robison, has issued a statement saying they are shocked and saddened to learn of the tragic accident involving Edmonton Oil Kings forward Caleb Reimer. He goes on to say they extend their heartfelt condolences to Caleb's family, teammates and friends. And the Canucks posted on social media as well, saying the Canucks organization is heartbroken to hear about the passing of Caleb Reimer, Ronan Sharma and Parker Magnuson. We send our deepest condolences to their families, friends, teammates and coaches during this difficult time. And the NHL also tweeting its support and condolences to the families of the three teens. Now to a disturbing discovery in Vancouver today, a memorial for victims of a racist immigration policy at the turn of the last century has been vandalized. 
The monument in remembrance of the Komagata Maru incident near the seawall has been defaced. White paint has been smeared all over the memorial. In 1914, hundreds of people, mostly six from then British India, aboard the Japanese steamship Komagata Maru, tried to immigrate to Canada, but most were denied entry and forced to return. It was one of several incidents at the time that highlighted exclusion laws in Canada. My family's visiting from Vancouver Island, and uh, we just arrived here, and uh, I have a history. Um, my mother's great-uncle was on the Komagata Maru and had been sent back to Punjab and put under house arrest by the Brits. So this was our first time to visit the memorial with the children, and it was quite devastating to see all of this graffiti put all over the names of those who are on the ship. I know this isn't the first time the memorial's been defaced, so uh, I'm not surprised, but I was shocked by the extent of the damage done with all of the paint. The city of Vancouver says staff are saddened to see it defaced and a graffiti removal team will address the damage as soon as possible. Well, as we reported last night, some details of the so-called vaccine passport to access non-essential services in B.C. have been leaked to Global News. Yasmin Gandam went to find out how some are feeling about those incoming restrictions. People do uh, can choose not to be vaccinated, but there will be significant things you will not be able to do if you're not vaccinated. Our health minister warned us it could happen. And tomorrow we will get the details about just what things unvaccinated British Columbians will not be allowed to do. Leaked information discovered by Global News indicates they may include losing access to non-essential businesses, such as movie theaters, sporting events, and maybe even restaurants. The vaccine passport is something people do have mixed feelings on. I think it's a great idea. I think that should be the choice of the business, maybe. I don't think that's necessary. I think if you're traveling, I think it would be important. But in a restaurant or something, I don't think so. The proof of vaccination certificates to access certain services and events will likely have an impact on large venues where things like professional sports games and concerts are held. Prospero Place in downtown Kelowna says it is continuing to monitor the situation, but would not comment on what the government has planned for the venue. At the moment, this is an evolving situation that can change from week to week. We will continue to work closely with local government and health authorities to ensure we are adhering to the most up-to-date health guidelines. A full list of protocols will be released closer to the first ticketed event. A press conference is scheduled for Monday with details on the new regulations. It's expected that people will be given some time to get vaccinated before the rules come into effect. Yasmin Gandam, Global News. On the wildfire front, less than 250 active fires are burning in B.C. Four of them sparked in the last two days. On Vancouver Island, crews are making good progress on a fire burning outside of Ladysmith. The Mount Law fire is now classified as being held. That means the fire is not expected to spread any further based on the current forecast. But firefighters say they have a lot of work ahead of them. The dry conditions mean the fire has burned deep underground. Crews will have to dig out hot spots and douse them.
In the Okanagan, it may be some time before people forced to flee the White Rock Lake fire can go home. Cooler temperatures have helped make the fire less visible today, but it's still active and burning out of control. Crews have spent the day building fire guards with a particular focus on the area around West Side Road. But increased winds through the evening could fan the flames and produce more smoke. Homes and other structures on 70 properties have been destroyed in the fire. Officials are organizing a trip so that affected owners can see the damage for themselves. And people living in a handful of properties near the Mount Law fire have been allowed to go home. Rain in West Kelowna allowed firefighters to light small controlled burns to try to contain the blaze. The Mount Law fire covers 800 hectares and continues to burn out of control. Residents at four properties are still on evacuation order. Activists demonstrating against the logging of old growth trees at Ferry Creek on Vancouver Island say a confrontation with officers this weekend ended with excessive force, including pepper spray being used against some of them. But RCMP claim they're enforcing a court injunction with necessary means. Paul Johnson has more. This video was produced by activists involved in the Ferry Creek blockades and appears to show a confrontation Saturday between blockaders and Mounties trying to clear them from a logging room. After several minutes, the Mounties appear to use pepper spray on them. The blockaders react but don't back down. A second wave of pepper spray appears to be used. One Mountie, identified as a medic, also appears to be spraying. Why are you doing this? The RCMP appear to be totally out of control, not paying attention to these court decisions and, and really being a law unto themselves. Well, the confrontation at Ferry Creek has been going on for months. What's rattled the blockaders is what they're saying are much more heavy-handed tactics from the RCMP. Here, a Mountie appears to charge at them. Several demonstrators were dragged away. And this shot raises the question of whether a Mountie punched a demonstrator who was already down. It's pretty distressing to see that kind of action perpetrated uh, by the RCMP on a group of peaceful protesters who were not blocking anything. They were just simply existing. They were singing songs, they were chanting. The RCMP released a statement saying pepper spray was used when the demonstrators became aggressive and failed to comply with their orders. They say one of their officers suffered a concussion and was taken to hospital and 30 people were arrested. They did not respond to our request to elaborate on their decision-making about the use of pepper spray and the allegations of use of excessive force. Paul Johnson, Global News. Back to our COVID-19 coverage now and looking ahead to two highly anticipated COVID-19 briefings happening this week. Ones that will influence many people's actions in the weeks and months ahead. For more, Keith Baldry is joining us now from Victoria. And Keith, we're talking vaccine passports and the back to school plan. What can you tell us? Yeah, here we are, mid-August, late August, and it's going to be a very busy week on the COVID-19 uh, front, folks. Every day is going to have something happening. All starts tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock. Premier John Horgan, Dr. Bonnie Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix will hold that news conference to talk, as you mentioned, uh, what people are calling the vaccination passports. We're going to get details on that uh, already. My colleague Richard Zussman broke the story on the weekend and talking about having vaccine rules. If you're not fully immunized, you can't go to cinemas, uh, theaters, entertainment, sports uh, events 
events and such. We'll get those details tomorrow. Also, there's going to be a back-to-school uh, revised safety plan unveiled on Tuesday. Expect the mask mandate to continue to be reinstated as part of that back-to-school plan. There's a sense of urgency to this, folks, because our case numbers are very high, almost 550 a day going into the weekend. But it's not just case numbers. Hospitalizations are also increasing, 240 hospital admissions in this month alone, and we're not even at the end of the month. Also, there's going to be, uh, in the interior, a continuing serious situation. They lead the province in terms of active cases, hospitalizations, and ICUs. And finally, tomorrow, we're also going to get, for the first time on a regular basis, the breakdown of who's getting sick between unvaccinated people and vaccinated people. So the latest update we got was back in July. About 94% of the cases were in non-vaccinated people. Just 6% were fully immunized. We're going to get an update on that tomorrow, and that will continue every day. So we'll have a daily update on who's, in terms of who's getting sick, who's, get, who's among those people, who's vaccinated and who's not. The vast majority of people are young people in their 20s and 30s who are not vaccinated. That information will now start flowing regularly. All begins tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Premier John Horgan, Dr. Bonnie Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix, uh, with that news conference, will be carrying that live on BC1 and providing coverage throughout the day. And we'll look forward to your analysis post-presser. Thanks so much for that. Right. Keith Baldry tonight in Victoria. An empty home in Surrey went up in flames this afternoon. The fire broke out just after 1230 in the 13900 block of 96th Avenue, sending flames high in the air. It's an older A-frame house behind a line of older trees. 22 firefighters responded with nine trucks. A realtor sign at the front of the property says it was recently sold as a development property. No one was injured in the fire and no cause has been determined. An annual show and shine was held today in honor of a young man murdered in Surrey a decade ago. The Bradley McPherson Memorial Cruise rolled through the Fraser Valley from Langley this morning, ending with the Burnouts in the Sky show and shine at South Surrey Athletic Park. 28-year-old Bradley McPherson was fatally shot at a Christmas party in December of 2011. He didn't have a criminal record and police say he was tragically in the wrong place at the wrong time. McPherson was a major car enthusiast who is remembered as a fun-loving family man. We set up this memorial cruise for him and raise money every year and it goes into a scholarship fund, the Bradley McPherson Memorial Scholarship Fund. Uh, which gives scholarships to students who graduate grade 12 um, who either have ADD or ADHD. It's well received. Brad was pretty well liked guy, loved guy, and uh, yeah. If you would like to make a donation to the scholarship fund, you can do so at burnoutsinthesky.com. Police in Sycamore say the remains of a drowning victim have now been recovered from Mara Lake. The 64-year-old man from Red Deer, Alberta, was swimming near his boat on August 11th when he became distressed and slipped under the surface. The RCMP Southeast District's underwater recovery team searched for three days but didn't find the man. A non-profit organization out of Manitoba, the Hutterian Emergency Aquatic Response Team, was brought in to help and recovered the body on Friday. And still ahead, the race against time in Afghanistan. During Taliban time, 20 years ago, I was in Afghanistan. And I know how brutal Taliban are. A Victoria woman struggled to get her husband and children out of the country amid the Taliban's takeover. And... It honors my son and all the, the soldiers who served. How families of war veterans were honored today and what some are saying about the current situation in Afghanistan. 
The United States may extend its deadline to get troops out of Afghanistan as it struggles to evacuate up to 30,000 people from the country by the end of the month. President Joe Biden made a rare Sunday address at the White House to defend his decision to pull troops from the country after it fell into Taliban hands last week. British and American troops are struggling to maintain control at Kabul's airport, where thousands of people are desperate to flee the Taliban. And Biden continues to face criticism over his handling of the crisis, including from former British Prime Minister Tony Blair. We are proving that we can move those thousands of people a day out of Kabul. We're bringing our citizens, NATO allies, Afghanis who in fact has helped us in the war effort. But we have a long way to go and a lot could still go wrong. A woman gave birth to a baby girl on board a U.S. evacuation plane right as it landed at the Ramstein Air Base in Germany. According to the U.S. Air Force, the woman was a part of a group fleeing the Taliban in Afghanistan. She was experiencing medical complications and went into labor mid-flight. The aircraft commander decided to descend in altitude to increase air pressure in the aircraft. That ultimately saved the mother's life. Medical personnel were ready to assist the woman upon arrival on the tarmac. Both the mother and baby are said to be in good health. Canada is also in the midst of helping to evacuate Afghan nationals being accepted to resettle by Ottawa and its allies. A third Canadian plane left Afghanistan yesterday, carrying more than 120 people. But as Ahmad Agahi reports, there are still several more anxious families worried about the fate of their loved ones. During Taliban time, 20 years ago, I was in Afghanistan. And I know how brutal Taliban are. For the safety of her family, this Victoria woman has asked us not to use her name or image. So for the purpose of this interview, we'll call her Faye. For three and a half years, she has been working on an immigration file to bring her husband and two young children to join her in Canada. Now with the collapse of the Afghan government, she fears they are running out of time to escape. And right now, I don't know what is going on back home because I'm not connected anymore with my kids due to uh, the, the connection problem. During the Taliban takeover, the Canadian government says so far 12 evacuation flights have transported more than 1,100 people out of Afghanistan. Some military personnel belonging to countries Canada has allied with and citizens of Canada Others are Afghan nationals deemed most at risk of Taliban retaliation after working for Western countries or their own former government. Now, this is a worrying time. We know that the conditions are dangerous and the images that we are seeing are heartbreaking. But I want to let Canadians know this, that our Canadian Armed Forces members will continue to do everything everything they can to evacuate Canadians and Afghans seeking as a safer and better life. Canada has pledged to resettle 20,000 Afghans in the wake of the Taliban takeover, but the government is admitting the chaotic situation at the Kabul airport is making things difficult. Faye says her family is waiting in deplorable conditions to reach Canadian officials on the ground. My daughter fainted because they were sleepless, they were not able to drink or eat anything, nothing is uh, available there. And in, in the chaos and crowd that people were pushing them. What makes her situation more dangerous? Her husband has worked as a translator for the UK and her in-laws were members of the fallen Afghan military. Just, just feel for a second that it is not me, it is you. And you have got your children's behind 
in, in such a chaos and you're not sure about their safety? Emadagahi, Global News. More than a dozen Silver Cross families whose loved ones served in war-torn regions, including Afghanistan, received honors today. In an emotional ceremony in Burnaby, the Order of St. George awarded 18 field knights and dames honorary ranks today to 14 such families and four locals for their contribution and service to veterans and the Canadian military. Among the recipients, Sheila Fines, the mother of Corporal Stuart Langridge, who served in Bosnia and Afghanistan. He died in 2008. Such a great show of respect from community leaders and military members, the church. It, it honors my son and all the, the soldiers who serve. The situation in Afghanistan was also top of mind for some at today's ceremony. If you remember the ending statement that I made to all the knights, go forward valiantly in truth and honor. If they hold to those, everything will work out in the end. You're just going to have to trust the process. Slow though it may be, it's slow for all of us. So it is working. There are people working to all of my veterans, all the families. Everybody's doing the best they can in the time that they can. It will all work out in the end. Have faith. Coming up, it's been a week since the federal election was called and the campaign promises continue from the opioid crisis to the country's response to Afghanistan, what the leaders are putting forward today. Plus, what climate change experts are saying as Tropical Storm Henri batters the U.S. East Coast and brings record rain. On the federal election campaign trail, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole is in the Lower Mainland today where he discussed his plan to combat the opioid crisis. O'Toole is pledging $325 million in funding over three years to create 1,000 drug treatment beds and 50 recovery centers. Canada's Conservatives will make recovery the focus of all federal programs on substance abuse. Yeah. When asked about harm reduction versus recovery, O'Toole said a Conservative government wouldn't block Health Canada approvals for safe injection sites. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau took to the Maritime Sunday for the first time this campaign as he looks to keep seats that could help push him to a majority government. He also faced multiple questions over Canada's ongoing response to the crisis in Afghanistan and says his team is working to quickly get as many people out as possible. I don't want to go into details, uh, uh, operational details right now, but I can assure you we have given uh, the authorizations for the folks on the ground to make the right decisions to help as many people as possible given the risks of the situation. In Toronto, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh questioned whether the election call may have impacted Canada's ability to respond to the Afghan crisis. Singh was in the city to speak at an event to remember former party leader Jack Layton, who died 10 years ago. The NDP pledging to introduce a bill that would see the riding of Toronto Danforth change to Danforth Layton in honour of the late politician. Canadians head to the polls on September 20th. Tropical Storm Henri made landfall in the northeastern U.S. today with millions of people in the storm's path. Heavy rain and sustained winds toppled trees, downed power lines and flooded streets and homes from New England to New York and New Jersey. 
Henri slammed into Rhode Island's coast with high winds and lashing rain as it made landfall Sunday afternoon. The storm slowed down but continued pouring rain on a wide swath of the northeast. We are taking it uh, uh, seriously, though, because the size and the storm surge and the rainfall is producing. Outgoing Governor Andrew Cuomo warned New Yorkers about storm surge and flooding, especially in coastal areas like Long Island. So please uh, take precaution. In Rhode Island, this hurricane barrier was deployed to help prevent flooding in downtown Providence. From Massachusetts to New Jersey, the storm has flooded homes, toppled trees, and knocked out power for thousands. It's getting deep and it's, it's coming through. Open the gate. New Jersey resident Kelly Richards is trying to take in the damage. It's upsetting because it's going to be a lot of damage for a lot of people. Cars are under and basements are wet. Here on Long Island, people were fearing this could be another superstorm Sandy that parts of New York are still recovering from nearly nine years later. Nothing worse than usual. You know, we're used to the hurricanes out here in Montauk. You know, so far, uh, actually beautiful, not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Outer bands of Henri hit New York City last night as seen in this time-lapse video. Rain made it into the city's subways and put an early end to an all-star concert in Central Park, just as Barry Manilow was about to sing, I Made It Through the Rain. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, Mattituck, New York. At least 22 people have died and dozens of others are still missing in central Tennessee after catastrophic floods. Floodwaters tossed cars like toys, roads were washed out, and houses were lifted from their foundations while streets turned into rivers after more than 60 centimeters of rain fell in a single day. It all happened yesterday west of Nashville. And this morning, people are still tallying the damages. Local charities have stepped up to help people who've been displaced by those massive floods. And coming up next, celebrating cycling culture. We're here really to promote wellness, sustainability, and getting people out riding their bikes. The massive bike race taking over Metro Town Mall's parking lot and how anyone from the public got to partake. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Get out on your bike, be healthy, support the environment. An epic bike festival in Burnaby draws cyclists of all skill levels. More on the course and the competition in just a moment. But first, a sudden windstorm swept through the central Okanagan over the noon hour today. Chaotic moments there as the wind took vendors on Kelowna's Bernard Avenue by surprise, many struggling to keep their tents from blowing over. Vessels on Okanagan Lake were rocked by the choppy waters. Environment Canada reports wind gusts between 50 and 60 kilometers per hour. Showers also accompanied the wind, but the storm was short-lived, lasting less than 30 minutes. So for a look at what's ahead, we've got meteorologist Yvonne Shell here now. So any other active weather on the way for that region? Yeah, we're still seeing a bit of instability, and it'll be similar for tomorrow. We've got the risk of thunderstorms, and the winds are going to pick up with the potential for the Okanagan tomorrow, even seeing gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. Metro Vancouver, we had more cloud cover this morning. We managed to squeeze in a few breaks out there. A gorgeous shot overlooking English Bay this evening. Temperatures are sitting at 19. 
17, but we also have a breeze. Sustained right now is southeasterly at 17, but we've got some gusts closer to the water, up to 28 kilometers per hour. So it is breezy. Overnight tonight, though, a different weather picture. We've got an increase in cloud cover. We're looking at a chance for some showers. It'll be similar for Monday morning, and then towards the afternoon, we've got a mainly cloudy sky and drier conditions. Temperatures will be bumping up to 21 as the high. Quick update on the fire danger rating. We are looking at it moderate to high for most areas. Still extreme, though, along the island with the hot and dry conditions. We haven't seen much in terms of precipitation. And for the BC Wildfire Service, we've got 247 active fires, 116 out of control, 27 fires of note, 71% of them lightning caused. And that'll be a concern once again, especially for the Columbia and Kootenai tomorrow. Smoky Skies Bulletin still in effect for the Shushwap, Okanagan Valley, both the Arrow Lakes, uh, Arrow Lakes rather, included within that. So still seeing smoke across the region potentially for the next 24 and 48 hours. As we get past this evening and leading in towards the morning hours, we've got that slight chance for some showers along the south coast. And the instability is going to pick up through the day for the southern interior, especially the southeastern corners of the province where we are looking at that risk of thunderstorms. So some instability and it is going to be cooler for many areas across the province. Four coastal areas towards the north, 18 as the high, clearing out for the northeastern corners of the province. We're still seeing heavy rain this evening, but it'll be much drier for the piece tomorrow. Central interior and areas towards the south, especially the southern interior, we've got that chance of showers. A breeze is going to pick up with more of a northwesterly direction. Could see gusts of up to 40 and the risk of thunderstorms for the Columbia and Kootenai. Across the south coast, we will have that morning cloud cover, a few isolated showers, not much in terms of precipitation, and then a bit more cloud cover through the day. Highs will be up to 21 degrees. It'll break out. We'll see brighter conditions for Tuesday, Wednesday, and highs into the low 20s so far. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A giant bike race is taking over Metro Town Mall's parking lot today. Three, two, one... More than 1,500 people registered for the inaugural Tour de Concord race and community bike event at the east end of Metropolis and Metrotown. Along with family-friendly programming, including a kid's race, competitive cyclists race laps around a closed-circuit track winding through the parking lot and onto Kingsway. The location is the future site of the Concord Metrotown mixed-use development, which will be home to North America's largest bike amenity space. This is our first event, but there's many more to come. We're very committed to supporting the bike community because it's part of our development. And we'll make four, we're not just going to have it here in Metrotown. We're looking at doing this in a lot of other developments throughout Vancouver, Alberta, and into Toronto as well. Wow. Great to see so much participation there. I and guess you never spot. forget, right? Yeah. <laughs> to ride a bike, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> that's just it. It always comes back to you, doesn't it? <laughs> well, we are going back to what we talked about a fair bit yesterday, the white caps coming up in sports. Yeah, you know, I'm sure uh, they had a scenario in their head how it ended up. I know they always wanted to win, of course, but to have their star player they just brought in score the goal in dramatic fashion at the end. It was uh, just a, a great atmosphere. That was the one thing you could really feel, even if you weren't at the game. So we'll take a look back at the white caps thrilling victory and also a lot of Blue Jay fans getting a little nervous. Toronto hitting the skids at the wrong time of the year lost another one they shouldn't have today. So we'll have highlights of that as well. All right, looking forward to all that. Also ahead, helping businesses bounce back. I think we have seen the worst and it's getting back for sure. How these Main Street murals are helping to bring new life to Vancouver's popular Punjabi market. I'm 
unbelievable scene in New York City. Events that shocked us. Secret data collection. Technology that changed us. I think it's fake news. It was fake news. A possible epidemic. Disruption. 20 years of Global National. Friday, September 10th at 9 on Global. For more than five decades, Vancouver's Punjabi market has been a touchstone in the South Asian community. While the Main Street destination may have lost some of its luster from the glory days, businesses say this summer's Murals in the Market initiative is giving them a big boost. Kristen Robinson has more. Main Street between 49th and 51st Avenues, refreshed by public art. And people are taking notice. I think this whole thing beautifies back end, like garages and empty walls and places that just graffiti go. The oldest Punjabi market in North America was wearing signs of decay until four artists went to work. And over the years, it has definitely lost the charm, I would say. And this will help so much. The result, murals in the market. A partnership between the Mural Fest and the Punjabi Market Regeneration Collective to beautify the area and support local business. I put my life here 40 years in one location. I want to see this market more grow. The owner of Sadna Sari House, a survivor of what was once the hub of BC's Punjabi community and home to hundreds of businesses. And I feel so good what these young crowd are doing. Give a good name to Punjabi community, Punjabi market, and make it more busy like what we used to do that. COVID has taken quite a bit out of this one, though. We don't have any tourists coming right now. Mona Clothhouse hopes the murals are a sign of recovery and has already signed on as a sponsor for 2022. They're, they're, they're beautiful. They're, they're, I love them. The murals make our neighborhoods beautiful. Then it's going to definitely boost the economy. Uh, I think it's going to work, yes. The murals seen as one piece of the puzzle in a long-term plan to draw people back to 51 years of history. The Himalaya restaurant got in on the paint action and says many merchants wish they did. At first it was just iffy. They didn't know if it was going to work or what it's going to look like. So since that, everybody's saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't I get it? You know. With 50% of his clients from outside the Punjabi community, Madan Dingra is confident more people will take a second look at the neighborhood. It's getting better. I think we have seen the worst and it's getting better for sure. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And still ahead, the aftermath of a home game debut. That was our first game. Yeah, that's my first game. It's really fun. Fan reaction following the Whitecaps win in a buzzing BC place and those honored before the game. How about all that jazz? No modern jazz? No. Jazz it up. Just the Jazz Joe Hall Show. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW. All right, fine. With nine wine growing areas and more than 360 wineries across BC, your summer tasting cup runneth over. So sit back and safely enjoy your wine tasting experience with a guided tour. On Vancouver Island, pair award-winning wines with farm-to-table dining at Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. Sip your way along the Kamloops Wine Trail, BC's newest wine region. Don't miss Monte Creek Ranch Winery, home to cattle, horses, and two estate vineyards. And discover new flavors and welcoming hosts in the Kootenai Rockies, home to six wineries, including Bailey Groman Winery in Creston. 
Brought to you by Destination BC. Plan your summer getaway at explorebc.com. All right, just before we get to Barry and sports, the Whitecaps clearly benefited from playing before a hometown crowd last night, something the team hadn't been able to do in more than 530 days. We're told 11,144 fans were in attendance as the Caps took on the L.A. at B.C. Place. That's close to capacity under the current COVID-19 protocols. And Dr. Bonnie Henry was seen wearing a mask as she greeted fans. The provincial health officer and 21 Olympians who recently competed at the Tokyo Games were honored ahead of the game. Afterwards, happy fans left through all the exits, a change implemented since Thursday's BC Lions game home opener when attendees were funneled through only select doors. I think it was good. Um, yeah, it was a little tight getting in, but yep. once we're in, everybody's having a good time. Yep. And, uh, yeah. and they won. And they won. That was our first game. Yeah, that was my first game. It was really fun. Was it fun? Was it good to get back in the stadium? It was absolutely great. Awesome. I thought it was awesome. I didn't, yeah. I didn't love the bag check, but I understand why. Yeah. I mean, they, we got to keep people safe during COVID, right? So. Yeah. Go Whitecaps. It's all good. But <laughs> and they won, too. It, it ended oh, yeah. well. Not very many complaints there. A lot of happy, happy fans. Yeah, then they're <laughs> home again uh, next Sunday, the first of four in a row. So the Caps are excited. Their fans are back, and they're hoping to get on a big win streak here. Nice to see. All right, thanks, Neithu. Well, you couldn't really have written a better script for the Whitecaps' return to BC Place in front of their loyal supporters. The Whitecaps spotted LAFC a first-half goal, but then rallied to win it late. And it was Scottish star Ryan Gauld who scored the dramatic winner, putting the capper on a warm welcome home for a team that had been waiting for this moment for nearly 18 months. And we are underway here. The appreciative crowd, they gave them a round of applause when the Whitecaps trotted onto the pitch. second half, we are level at one. Flipped on, there's gold! Yes! Ryan Gold! That one is surely his! It's two on Vancouver! As the Caps raise their arms in victory, Mark DeSantos jubilant that come from behind 2-1 victory in front of hometown fans for the first time in 42 games. Look at the reaction from the players and from the crowd here. It's just fantastic to see soccer back in Vancouver in front of the fans and what it means to both the players and the spectators here. My emotions were more at the end of the game, you know, giving the fans what what they wanted, you know, first game back for so many days. And what a connection between players, staff and, and, and fans. Incredible. You know, in the last two games, we've went one down. Um, but it just shows the spirit of the group that we've managed to turn both games around. Um, you know, it shows the quality, not just the belief that um, we can turn it around, but that we've got the quality to, to change the game. There's a great spirit in the group just now. And... Like I've said, we'll be looking to carry that on as uh, as much as we can into the next games. 
Awesome stuff. Women's World Hockey Championships from Calgary, Canada, taking on the Russia Olympic athletes. Canada won 5-3 over Finland in its opener all over the Russians, but didn't find the net until mid-second on their 27th shot on goal. Sarah Fillier picks the far side. Then it's Ella Shelton cruising into the slot and then firing glove side. 2-0 Canada. And then before the period's over, Erin Ambrose from the point. Her shot goes off a Russian shin pad and in 3-0 Canada. Outshooting the Russian 38-5 after 40. And more in the third, Melody Daou pokes in a loose puck. Canada wins easily 5-1, 62-7. The shot's on goal. Canada 2-0. They play Switzerland Tuesday. Blue Jays and Tigers teams split the first two of this series at Rogers Center. Jays led 1-0 until Tiger slugger Miguel Cabrera takes Steven Matz to deep right center. It's gone for a homer, and it's a milestone shot for Cabrera, the 500th home run of his career, just the 28th player to ever hit 500. His teammates coming out to celebrate. He is a surefire Hall of Famer. It's 1-1. Jays have struggled mightily the last couple of weeks getting clutch hits, but they finally got one from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Two out, two strike base hit. Scores Corey Dickerson, 2-1 Toronto. Ninth inning, the Jays' bullpen did a nice job. Taylor Sacedo will get a routine ground ball to second base to end the game, but incredibly, all-star Marcus Semien bounces the throw that Vladdy Guerrero can't scoop up. The run scores tied at two. That's disastrous. Extra innings, both teams scored once in the 10th, but in the 11th, the Tigers teed off on Kirby Sneed. Daz Cameron hammers a two-out double to score the winning run. Jays are 2-9 and nine in extra innings. The slump continues. They lose 5-3. They have lost seven of their past nine. Final round of the Women's British Open from Carnoustie in Scotland. Nice sunny day today. A little different than the rain and wind yesterday. Canada's Brooke Henderson began the day tied eighth, just three back. Had a good start. This eagle attempt just misses. A tap in birdie. Two under for the day at that point, but finished up even for the day and tied 13th. Six back. Very disappointing for Brooke. Sweden's Anna Nordqvist began the day tied for the lead and then took the lead thanks to this nice birdie at the ninth, but it was tied at the 18th. Denmark's Nana Kurtz Madsen and Nordqvist, but Madsen in trouble in the bunker and it gets worse as she finds even more trouble. Kurtz Madsen made double bogey and dropped to fifth. Nordqvist taps in for the win. She is the Open champ. It's her third career major. A reminder, round four of the PGA's Northern Trust goes tomorrow postponed today because of Tropical Storm Henri in the New York area. English Premiership, Manchester United paying a visit to Southampton. United needing to orchestrate a second-half comeback, and they get it. Paul Paga uh, just uh, chips it back to Mason Greenwood. Greenwood powers it through the keeper. 1-1 the final. Man U equaling the Premier League record of 27 road matches without a defeat. They have a win and a draw in their first two matches. And Romelu Lukaku and Chelsea visiting Arsenal. Lukaku scoring in the 15th minute to stake Chelsea to an early 1-0 lead. And then Reese James with the nice finish here. It ends 2-0 Chelsea. They go to 2-0 along with Liverpool, Tottenham and Brighton at the top of the EPL table. Bundesliga, Bayern Munich taking on Köln. Moment of silence before the game for the passing of Gerd Müller, the Bundesliga's all-time leading scorer, passed away last Sunday. Robert Lewandowski, who's second behind Müller in all-time league goals, will get another here. Makes it 1-0 on the nice setup by Jamal Musiala. 12th straight game with a league goal for Lewandowski. And then they will add to the lead as Serge Gnabry will stay with it and make it... 
2-0. Bayern Munich in the 58th, but Köln got two goals, two minutes apart to equalize to make it 2-2, but Gnabry will fire in the game winner, scorching one to the top corner as Bayern Munich win it by the final of 3-2. The Queen's Plate is the oldest continuously run race in North America, even older than the Kentucky Derby. It is the opening jewel of the Canadian Triple Crown, and it was the slight betting favorite, Safe Conduct, who won a photo finish in the 162nd running at Toronto's Woodbine Racetrack. On the inside, Muddy for Rose finishing on. Safe conduct at the top of the stretch, joined by Keep Grinding. Hadassah down the center, running on his other man. It's now Keep Grinding coming. Safe conduct, Keep Grinding. HC Holiday down the outside as well with Muddy for Rose. But safe conduct in front, and here's Riptide Rock. Riptide Rock flying down the outside. I think safe conduct narrowly from Riptide Rock and a photo in the Queen's plate. Love the horse racing. There you go. That's it for sports. Thanks very much, Barry. And coming up, sharks spotted swimming along the Stanley Park seawall. We'll have the video just ahead. Events that shocked us. An unbelievable scene in New York City. Technology that changed us. Secret data collection, millions of phone records, and monitoring email and the internet. I think it's fake news. It was fake news. Stories that moved us. Public health officials are now tracking a possible epidemic. A mother at 90 years old doesn't deserve to die like that. Disruption. 20 years of Global National. Friday, September 10th on Global. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. Well, a Vancouver woman captured a surprising sight while jogging on the seawall on Saturday. Phoenix Lamb caught up with a school of small sharks, specifically spiny dogfish feasting on tiny silverfish. The City of Vancouver communications staffer was doing a 26K run around the park when she saw a dog barking at the water near Siwash Rock. She discovered the water was full of silverfish, creating a feeding frenzy for the small sharks. Dogfish off BC can live up to 70 years old. Environment Canada says the species moves inshore in the summer and offshore in the winter. Wow, incredible sight. Thanks for sharing that video with us. video. And speaking of changing seasons, we were just talking during commercial break whether summer is kind of unofficially over. No, it does feel like it, though. <laughs> it and it is going to be cool and unsettled. The final look at our five-day forecast. We'll still see more cloud cover tomorrow morning. A few isolated showers are possible. It leaves off drier conditions Tuesday, Wednesday. Really pleasant out there, partly cloudy. Temperatures still getting into the 20s. So it's going to be pleasant and so far dry for most days in our five-day forecast. I will say, I am spotting quite a few leaves on the ground. <laughs> starting We're to getting there like slowly. Yeah. Inching closer. <laughs> well, we are inching closer to the end of our show. That's it for us tonight. Thank you so much for sharing some of your evening with us. Jordan Armstrong is off, so we'll all see you tonight at 11.